jet ski. Annie, can you jet ski? Can you jet ski, Annie? Annie, can you jet ski? Can you jet ski? Annie, can you jet ski? Can you jet ski, Annie? You've been hit by. You've been hit by a slow speedboat. No, sorry, no. I just had it at the end. Oh, fuck it. You're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast where you send us your most sinister movie dares. We suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm getting too old for this shit. That's not even a line from this movie, but that's about as memorable as any line from this movie. With me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. On this show, we do your dirty work, you dirty dogs, by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them using our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film, we'll give that a dare. We give the double dare rating to those truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare, the hallowed, respected, worldwide, renowned, Pulitzer Prize winning reverse dare for those despised movies that are actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we're reviewing Sandra Bullock and not Keanu Reeves in Speed 2 Cruise Control. We're also going to read some movie dares sent in by our listeners, but before we get started, you know how we do. We're going to talk about the movie-themed cocktail that Dan made for us this week. That's right. The podcast is now a cockcast. The cockcast is open for business. Cockcasting? Hey, what are you doing today, Cork? I'm cockcasting between 5.30 and 7. You know how I do. So as with all of our cockcasts, this was inspired by this week's movie, Speed 2 Colon, Cruise Control. This cocktail is called the Geiger Encounter. It is mm. inspired by Geiger, of course, the villain in Speed 2 Colon, Cruise Control, played by Willem Dafoe. And Corky, you know I've always considered Willem Dafoe more Willem Friend than Willem Dafoe. And <laughs> although he is exceptionally terrible in this movie, I still wanted to pay tribute to this great actor. Yes. The drink, the Geiger encounter, it's basically a daiquiri. It's a boat drink kind of thing. So you got plenty of fresh squeezed lime juice in there, of course. But I've split the traditional white rum base with a little California distilled spirits brandy. I subbed out the simple syrup for cinnamon bark syrup. And I added about seven or eight drops of absinthe to give it a little body. The resulting cocktail, it's fun. It's refreshing. But there's a complexity there. There's a depth, yes. there's subtlety and nuance. All the things that are completely lacking in Defoe's performance and really the entire film. <laughs> so that is the Geiger encounter. Corky, what do you think? Well, you said this is a daiquiri, but the real query, <laughs> thank you, is that why does this taste like a Tom Collins, which is my favorite drink? This tastes so goddamn good. <laughs> yeah, daiquiri, the real query. <laughs> love it love it it might be the absinthe which gives uh you know has like the kind of black licorice notes uh, so maybe that reminds you of the baton i'm gonna have a little bit dan i'm gonna have a hard time getting through this episode because i'm slamming this this is so Slam fucking it. good this is it's how you got to do it so that is the geiger encounter i'll put the recipe for the drink in the show notes for this episode if you want to recreate it at home and drink along your favorite cop cast and that's us Last week, we reviewed a little film dared to us by our good buddy Ryan L. Terry. He's Dr. Horror. Is that his name? He's the doctor of horror. Professor. No, professor. He he's doesn't have his doctorate. He's not has, <laughs> studying yes. diligently to pick up that doctorate in horror. Exactly, but yes, he's yeah. the professor. Professor Horror. It's not uh, an honorific. He, he took four years of horror studies. Oh, absolutely. And he is mm-hmm. teaching horror as well, I think, literally. Um, he dared us a little film called Spookies. Do you have any extra thoughts, something you couldn't plug into the show, something that's maybe popped up in the time since we recorded it? About I spookies? do. Um, I'm, I'm going to come at this. You know, Dan, you like to call me the wild card of the Cotcast. Uh, 
I'm going to do something I haven't done since Sleepaway Camp. I'm going to reverse my grade. I'm going reverse dare on this one on Spookies. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. I, I kind of talked myself into giving it a dare. And uh, listening back, I made the comparison to Rawhead Rex, which was an, a fun episode. I, uh, I totally enjoyed that movie experience. But it was a dare because the movie was so subpar in the writing and the execution. And especially, and this is where Spookies gets the the reverse there nod in the makeup and the monster and the, the horror therein. I've thought about spookies a lot since then. And that's kind of what also I did with Sleepaway camp. I couldn't shake it. It was, I caught myself thinking about it and I was like, you know, I talked myself into a dare by saying I really enjoyed it, but it was subpar with the acting and the, and the writing, but you know what? The, the horror overcame that for me, and that's what I've been thinking about. And therefore, I, I do recommend this movie because I enjoyed my experience. I even watched it a second time, oh, and that's no where kidding. I really – yeah. And I wouldn't have done that had it been a true dare because the true dare mark is like just it's whatever. You'll never right. want to revisit that again. If you watch no. it, whatever, but you'll never want to revisit it again. I wanted to revisit it again. I did, and therefore, I'm changing my grade to a reverse dare. Here, here. Well, I also gave it a reverse there. Although, Quirky, I, I do believe you gave a reverse there to Rawhead Rex as well. Do you want to change that as well? <laughs> Wait, what? I thought I gave it that a dare. I thought I said I had a reverse dare experience, but it was a double dare movie. I don't know. That's several years and several cock casts ago. I tell you what, we'll go over every single rating and we'll just we'll update the whole thing. And we'll... You know, it's better than talking about Speed 2 Cruise Control for the next 45 minutes. We're really putting it off. I think we're going to go much longer than 45 minutes, though. That's my prediction. So thanks for that, Dare. And everybody, yeah, reverse Dare for Spookies. Check it out. Corky, Dares. Uh-huh. We need them. They, we convert them. We consume them. We convert them into energy. We excrete them as waste. We need them to live. That's mm. just, that's just that, those are the facts. That's just science, man. But thank God our listeners are here to the rescue. This week's Dare Corky comes to us from our mysterious benefactor. And of course, you know him as Beep Kiddo. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have for us, a.k.a. the bride? He, uh, he, she's got The Last Man. The Last Man. This is a film from 2019. The Last Man. Did you hear there was a Last Man? I didn't know. Uh, written and directed by Rodrigo H. Villa. It stars Hayden Christensen and Harvey Keitel. Yes, finally, finally together. Why, for the love of God, would our mysterious benefactor want us to watch The Last Man? He or she says, A while back, I was curious what Hayden Christensen was up to since completely stunning everyone with such well-crafted <laughs> acting in Star Wars that people actually preferred Jar Jar. And he's been working one 2019 item on his resume is The Last Man with Harvey Keitel. Saw it was on Prime and fired it up, dot, 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 <laughs> dot. Calling this a turd would be an insult to turds. And Ding! honestly, <laughs> he's racking them up. Honestly, I thought of you two within the first 10 minutes. Aw. Aw. IMDb synopsis of The Last Man. So, this is just complete nonsense. Kurt comma, combat veteran with PTSD and hallucinations, comma, fortifies his home and builds a secret underground shelter due to doomsday-like weather changes. He gets a security job to pay for it and the boss's cute daughter for company. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Stupid shit. That movie sounds awful. The synopsis is incredibly poorly written. And yet, a sizable donation from Pete. 
came with us there, which pushed yes. it right to the front of the line. So I can reveal Corky that our next episode will be mm. the last man. Because when I think of an insult to turds, I think of us immediately too. <laughs> if it, if there's everything sub turd, it's us. Yeah, good call. And now our feature presentation. Speed two. Cruise Control. This was dared to us by Dan's lovely wife, Darcy. Hello, it's summer blockbuster season. And what better way to celebrate than by watching this box office bomb? See what I did there? Speed 2, colon, Cruise Control. The whole gang is back together. Well, everyone that is still alive and who isn't named Keanu Reeves. So I guess really only Sandra Bullock is back and Glenn Plummer. Anyways, this looks like some fun hijinks on the high seas. Enjoy. IMDb synopsis for Speed 2, colon, Cruise Control. A computer hacker breaks into the computer system of the Seaborn Legend cruise liner and sets it speeding on a collision course into a gigantic oil tanker. Yes, this week's movie, it is Speed 2, colon, Cruise Control, the movie that describes itself. It was made on Cruise Control. You feel like you're on Cruise Control the entire time. No one's giving a shit about anything. And that's your movie. Sequel to the 1994 blockbuster hit, made by the same director, which is kind of shocking because it's so bad. (laughs) Speed star Sandra Bullock returned with a huge pay raise, but Keanu Reeves could not be convinced to reprise his role as Jack Traven. So Jason Patrick was cast in a different, but not really different, role. Mm -hmm. Willem Dafoe cast as the bad guy for a fun change of pace. Uh, And despite the success of Speed, screenwriter Graham Yost and producer Mark Gordon were not asked to participate Instead, the studio recycled an old diehard script into this awful thing. No Budget. shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is all just <laughs> one of hundreds of diehard scripts <laughs> that became other movies because everyone was always just writing diehard sequels. Budget of up to $160 million, at least $25 million, almost the entire production budget of the first speed was spent on one sequence and, spoiler alert, not worth it yeah. at all. For the big sequence... We'll get to it. A 35-building set was constructed in the town of Marigo on the island of St. Martin, rebuilt after that was destroyed by a hurricane, and a 150-foot replica of the Seaborn Legends bow that weighed 270 tons was used for the scene. It ran on a 1,000-foot-long track built 60 feet underwater. Once again, not worth it. (laughs) Critics did not take the bait. Four on Rotten Tomatoes, 23 on Metacritic. Roger Ebert loved it. What do you know? know. Calling it, quote, a truly rousing ocean liner adventure story, which I did not realize was a beloved film genre. Ocean liner adventure stories. Who knew? Ebert added, quote, movies like this embrace goofiness with an almost sensual pleasure, end quote. Gross. (laughs) Gross. Not only Ebert, Siskel loved it, too. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Quirky, did you embrace this movie with a sensual pleasure, you sick bastard? Or was the pleasure purely schadenfreude i i derived almost zero pleasure out of this although i did hold it in a sensual manner <laughs> this movie's terrible man oh, this boy. movie is so bad i was so stunned that siskel and ebert liked this because really nobody likes this movie no. it's got the worst rotten tomato score and it just looked awful from i, I remember i never saw it me neither i remember seeing the things for it and just going oh god that's terrible <laughs> that's that's not going to be any good. You can tell. Yeah, wow. That is Why not going to be I any good. That? 
why would I watch it? No, yeah, this was uh, 24 years after it came out. I saw it for the first time. And I've seen like every major movie pretty much that has come out in the last 24 years. And I will say, it is shockingly bad. Yes. Even knowing the toxic reputation of the film, it was shocking because it is simultaneously a complete cash-in sequel Mm-hmm. that is desperately trying to recreate the original, surpass the original, and yet betrays so much of what anyone ever liked about the original. Yeah. And, and I don't want to overpraise speed. It obviously compares quite favorably to this film. I don't think it's any kind of masterpiece, but it's a no. solid action film, and sure. it delivers what we pr- what it promises, which is kind of what I alluded to in how the box office doesn't fall off on one and falls off a cliff with speed too. Where the first film succeeds, I think, obviously you have all the action going on, but really it's two things, simplicity and clarity. The stakes in speed are very clear. Mm -hmm. You go too slow, bomb goes off, y'all die. The motivations are very simple, revenge, heroism. The action is clear. It's comprehensible. And the beautiful thing about simplicity and clarity is they don't cost anything. <laughs> you don't need to spend $160 million on it. Uh-huh, Speed uh-huh. 2 costs so much more and tries to do so much more than Speed, but it does so much less. It achieves so much less, and it's it's awful. It's just yeah. awful. I'm in the same boat as you. Speed was a perfectly perfunctory, competent action movie. It was fine. It was fine for what it was. I could see why it was a success. I think it's a little overestimated, but, but, but whatever. This movie, there was no need to have this be a speed movie. I, When you said it was a diehard rehab script, I was like, well, that makes total sense because there's nothing about the what made speed charming or successful is in this. Annie just becomes a ditz. She just becomes dead weight. The lead star is not Keanu And Keanu Reeves, I gave him a lot of shit in his 90s work because he was not good for the majority of it. But Jason Patrick is not the man for this role. Oh, it's brutal. He's too frantic or manic to be charismatic enough to carry this movie. And it's just all over the place. He's either a meathead, thrill, joy, L.A. cop, or he's a fucking technological wizard who's up to date on cruise lines technology. <laughs> you know, at any moment, second guessing the first officer and all the all the crew. Man, it was bad. It, stunningly bad. And, and he also is scamming on young deaf girls as well that's that whole so there's there's so much going on i mean this is like an abject like perfect lesson in like how not to do it you know what i mean if they had gone for it and been like we're gonna do totally something the opposite of speed and we're just gonna yeah. go in and complete but it it's not though it, it is a lazy just attempt to cash in and redo speed but it's just so bad it's almost a comedy, or they are like what they're trying right. to make is a comedy, uh, almost like a parody yeah. in some aspects of of action movies with just these action set pieces. And for a movie called Speed, it is the <laughs> slowest fucking movie until the end, and then the end takes forever to get done. Oh you know my what I mean? God, yes, it's crazy. It really is. Yeah, and you know, again, Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock. I'm not going to make a case for them as like the best actors, but in Speed, they actually had chemistry. And more important, mm-hmm. they had compatible energy. Bullock and Jason Patrick reminded me of Anne Hathaway and James Franco hosting the Oscars. Like he is like <laughs> checked out and she is like, all right, I need to now give 300% in every scene, which just has her running around being an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Annie 
who is basically the only major character coming back. Glenn Cl- Plummer and Joe Morton also return. Oh, but... that's why Joe Morton's in this movie. I was like, why the fuck is Joe Morton in this movie? I yes. forgot he was in Speed. They both have the little callback scenes, but yeah, I just, I don't. Mm. She is so stupid. She went yes. from just like, I'm quirky and a little silly, but I'm capable and no. heroic and brave and all of those things that she ends up being to, I'm just a moron. Like, yeah. I'm an idiot. She talks about using Mesa's perfume. Like, how do you, like, do you just, like, <laughs> grab random things and just spray them on yourself? And you're just like, oh, this has a spray bottle. It's perfume. That could have been Mace. That could have been Pam. That could have been any number of things that have a spray top to them. Unless her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, gave her a mace that has, like, one of those little atomizers on it, like an old-style perfume. Like, he really set her up for that. <laughs> Oh my god. All right, let's get into it. Speed to colon cruise control. Uh, So the 20th Century Fox logo comes up. We know who to blame. It dissolves into a shot of like rushing water. Uh huh. And then we're into a rushing highway, right? So it's mixed the two speeds together one's water, one's highway. And we're introduced right away to Alex Shaw. And this is the warmed over Jack Traven clone played by Jason Patrick. I think, I mean, right away, just a big mistake to, like, once Keanu is gone, let your imagination run yes! wild with this character. It doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't even have to be in the movie. It could be anyone or no one. But instead, they were just like, weak sauce substitute? Yeah. Give him the yeah. same basic haircut, the same mannerisms. He's the same gonna, thoughtlessly yeah. heroic idiot, you know? Absolutely. I was just going to say, they even gave him the same haircut, and, and poor Jason Patrick's hairline was <laughs> fucking fighting that the whole time. He's a gorgeous man. And he's not, again, just to be clear, he is not Jack Traven, which is the character played by Keanu Reeves. He's he's gone. He's he's gone. And in fact, uh, right away, Annie starts talking to, we see Annie. It cuts between these two things that are happening. So Alex Shaw is chasing a diaper van. Was on, it a diaper van? Yeah, it was. I thought it was an ice cream truck. I thought so too, but then there's a picture of a baby in a diaper. So I I hope that's not an ice cream truck. I mean, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's why he was chasing it. <laughs> it's like it's the ice but cream. But se- it's setting the tone right away for how just they are trying to instill every little thing with a bit of whimsy, yep. a bit of wackiness. He's chasing a diaper truck while mm-hmm. she's getting uh, driving lessons from Tim Conway in yes. a thing. She's driving a thing. It's like every little beat to this is like oh, we're we're a little kooky here. Yeah, and she's just she's taking your driving test like right away. Yunk yunk. Tim Conway's the instructor. Yunk yunk. And while she is taking this test, and it's cutting back and forth between this crazy chase with Alex like flying in on motorcycles and chasing this van. And her just babbling about her ex-boyfriend, Jack, and her new boyfriend, Alex, uh, who she thinks is a bike cop. And just blabbering about this to her driving instructor. Because, again, you know, women. Women in this movie, very heavily stereotyped, right? Like, they're always babbling about their boyfriends. They're terrible drivers. (laughs) And when they see a diamond, they literally run at it. Dan, when she takes the the reprise with Tim Conway at the end, she's actually got her makeup brushes in shot. She's like holding them up for him to look at her makeup brushes. Women can't just help go through their purse as as they start to take their driving test. Absolutely. Gals. Oh, gals. But yeah, so she's blabbering about her ex-boyfriend and her new boyfriend and all this dumb comedy shtick. And this is where she says that uh, Jack was just too much of a hero and too much of a cop 
So she went went with another cop. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she, she, I, I mean, know. she knows he's a cop, but she thinks he's a bike cop. He's obviously not a bike cop because he's flying around on a motorcycle. And this is where we hear the story about her using Mace's perfume that makes her sound like an idiot, just like a dumb, stupid person that you couldn't possibly ever relate to, ever. This is this is where also I was like, is this the parody of action movies? Because Joe Morton says a line where he's like, remember, Alex, no stunts, no like hot dogging. You, we got one shot to get this. You know, it's just like total the cliche cop speech. Yeah. But no he's going to risk it all. He's a renegade. But in this scene, I mean, this is like makes no sense because like he's chasing this guy who is the bad guy. Yeah. On like a real souped up, like a serious ass motorcycle. This is not like he's not Chip's motorcycle. This is like a badass fucking stunt motorcycle. Yeah. 30 cops are just sitting waiting. Yeah, he's chasing. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're saying the, don't do hot dog stuff. Like what? It's That's the dumbest shit. He's chasing the guy to them. What does what, what does that mean? Why don't we surround this? Guy? Why don't we surround this guy? Come to him. Like we're all here. We're all geared the fuck up. I mean, whatever. Cops are idiots, but I mean, still, it's so fucking dumb. No, nothing in this movie makes any sense. The, all the tactical decisions, it doesn't make any sense. And the whole time, Annie is is not only blabbering about her relationships because, of course, women. But she is nearly murdering like dozens of pedestrians. She's ignoring every traffic law. She's running through red lights. She's cutting people off right and left. And she's just like, blah, 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 my relationships. And of course, because she's a moron, she drives right into a police ambush. Like, what kind of police ambush is this where just like any car can just like wander right into it? But she gets there right as Alex catches up with a van. Yeah, And through a series of events too poorly conceived, shot, and edited to possibly describe, both Alex and the bad guy fly out of their vehicles <laughs> and roll down the hill like cartoon characters. It's a, it's a tumble chase now. It's He's chasing the bad guy, tumbling down a hill. So fucked up. <laughs> so... Obviously, they catch the guy, and yep. Alex is fine. And Annie, instead of being like, oh, hey, you just crashed your motorcycle and flew down a mountain, I'm concerned for your safety, Wait. is like, why aren't you at the beach? A- Annie's driver's test ends with her not parking. She crashes into a cop car. <laughs> this woman would be shot in real life. We've seen this happen. She would at least be arrested. Tim Conway is just gagging it up. I mean, press charges on this woman. Right? I mean, just because she's on a driving test, that doesn't mean you can just crash right into police car. Like they would have opened fire. The LAPD would have opened fire on her. They were all geared up, waiting for some. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, that, 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 if that's one thing we know about SWAT teams, is like when a thing stops, their adrenaline just goes away. They do There's, not need oh, to expand whew. that elsewhere. Right. We're good. We're good. I'm not taking this one with me. Uh, so yeah, Annie's like, "Why aren't you at the beach?" And we like, so he lied to her and said, yeah. "I'm a beach cop." I'm a bike cop on Venice Beach. And she's like, okay. And then he's lied to her this entire time. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And he says, let's go on a cruise. And so they're off and they go on a cruise. That's it. Literally yeah. the next scene, they are boarding a cruise ship. That's it. That's, That's how fast it is. Like, just think about the implications of like, we both just got into vehicular crashes. <laughs> like, that just happened. That just happened. Also, I just found out you've been lying to me. Our yeah. entire relationships. Let's now leave the country. <laughs> What? Hang on, Annie. Annie, time the fuck out. <laughs> time the fuck out. It's unbelievable. If you think that that's just too much of a coincidence that she would crash her driver's instructor car at the same place her boyfriend is roll chasing uh, a suspect, 
Get ready for more unbelievable coincidences, because that's how everything happens in this movie. So, boom, cut. They're boarding their cruise ship. Seriously, that is how fast it happens. I Like, I am not joking. Their cruise ship is the Seaboard Legend. It's a real ship called the Seaboard Legend, and they actually shot on the ship. They stayed on the ship while they were shooting the film, too. Also boarding Willem Dafoe, who we will learn is named Geiger, and that's why we have the Geiger encounter. We also meet Dante. Dante is the cruise photographer. And Corky, if you didn't catch that Dante's name is Dante, Dante tells you that Dante's (laughs) name is Dante about 12 times, almost saying, remember me, I'll be gone for the next 40 minutes of screen time, Mm -hmm. but then I'll come back and be inexplicably essential to the plot for no reason at all. Dante. (laughs) That's this movie. We also meet some of the, um, the ship's crew. We meet Captain Bo Svensson. We meet his first mate, Django Fett, a.k.a. Tamara Morrison. <laughs> and we also meet Douchey McDouchelot, the douchey cowboy on board. Oh, God, Ashton. Don't worry, he'll be dead soon. Oh, not soon enough. <laughs> I never seen enough. Uh, we also get our next big coincidence because Jason Patrick and Sandra Bullock walk right by Willem Dafoe just as he's complaining about his golf clubs that yes. he's really upset about. Very so upset. that. That somehow ties the mystery in later that Jason Patrick knows to be suspe- uh, suspect Geiger. Um, but we go back to Geiger. That's Willem Dafoe. And it turns out Corky, dot, 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 he's evil. You never saw it coming. I knew he was evil the second I saw he was wearing slacks on a cruise ship. <laughs> you never wear Docker's slacks on a cruise ship. That's not cool. So Geiger, what's his plan? He's got golf club bombs. Uh-huh. He's got leeches in jars. What? That's and quirky. Has some kind of machine. I think it maybe was a fiber optic converter, if only because that was written in three-inch-high letters across this <laughs> tiny little thing. Fiber optic converter. The and relationship he... <laughs> between Defoe and these eels is less creepy than the relationship between Jason Patrick and the young <laughs> deaf girl. Uh, Geiger... Hicks up his fiber optic converter, and he hacks the ship in two seconds because that's how computers were then. Yeah. Like, I just imagine some kid watching this be like, oh, yeah, they had computers. Everything was fine. It was normal shit. It's like, no, 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 no. Let me explain this. They made that shit up. Fucking John DeBont, Jason Patrick, Sondra Bullock, they had at that point never touched a computer in their (laughs) lives, and they thought they never would. Like, that was the mindset that was there. So it was just like, a computer can do any fucking thing. Yeah. Computers. When the computer tells you that the door is closed, you type in open door program, and then all the doors open. (laughs) That's how easy it is. (laughs) You just put a thing in a thing, top type type, you're good. You've hacked Mm -hmm. it. That's how hackers do it. So quirky, we meet some quirky characters. Colleen Camp. Colleen Camp. There's a lot of that guys, like true that guys. Like people yes. you're like, oh, that guy. He's been in like a 30 things. I, I don't know his name. That's a that guy. We meet uh, the Fat Busters Fatties. Yeah. They're fat people, but they're going to bust fat by eating fat. We get serenaded by UB40. Yes. Uh, diamonds. Quirky diamonds are on board. Yeah, the women wait, see them so and they just, <laughs> just like charge the diamond. They charge I've them. never been on a cruise ship. But do is this a thing? Do cruise ships just have jewelry shows? I have to believe that nothing in this movie is based on any kind of reality. It just it, there's just too much to bear. This is where we meet the little deaf girl. Mm-hmm. This is all of it's very troubling. This is very troubling. 
It's the, he just he like has this sign like like hey how do you, okay so you know sign language but like yeah. it's never explained like nope. he knows sign, I mean but he knows fluent sign language and he immediately connects with this like little girl at least so what's she thirteen years old something like that she something says like she's that, gonna be yeah. fourteen yeah so he immediately is just like let me just have a conversation with a thirteen year old girl like if some like an adult walked up to a thirteen year old girl and started talking to her you'd be like yeah. get the fuck out of here but he not has a at sign your own like, table. Several tables away. Not even at her own table. He's like, I could talk to a little girl in a language only she understands. (laughs) Whoa, buddy. Yeah, troubling. But he's ready to make a proposal, but he he does a non-proposal. He's going to propose to Annie, but then blah, 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 blah. Again, remember he was lying to her about his entire life. Yes, right. A day ago. And he's like ready to ready to make the commitment, but oh no, I don't know if I can do it. Like what? God, dude, you're 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 a psychopath. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he 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 chickens out because it doesn't go, I guess, as he planned. And he feigns being seasick, but he's really so he has to vomit because the proposal didn't go well. I guess <laughs> I don't know. When they get when they get back to the hotel with their cabin, <laughs> what are they watching, Dan? They're watching Lolita. Which makes that whole thing with him and the young girl so much worse. Well, she's watching Lolita while he is nursing an illness. And we actually, as they're watching it, while she's watching it, he's kind of passed out sort of next to her. There is a long lingering close-up on a trash can lined with barf. (laughs) And it just like, it kind of pulls in on it or pushes in on it. You're just like, there's barf. Linger on a second whole... now cut. Yeah. So we're nearly like a half hour into this movie. I know. Vomit close up, jars of leeches, conversing in sign language secretly with little deaf girls, and Lolita. This is speed two. <laughs> it's like you just give the audience what they want, right? No, no one wanted this. No one in the history of the world ever wanted this. <laughs> like, why would you do this? Is this the point where Ebert was like, yes, this is, I'm in. Sensual pleasures? Yes, please. (laughs) And you want some more sensual pleasures and some more things that can't possibly be based on reality. He goes skeet shooting on deck. There's no way that a giant cruise line can just give people guns and be like, go up on top deck where everybody is and shoot. Just shoot randomly. Just fire willy-nilly. Here's a loaded gun. Here you go. I mean, it's uh, it's only in the script to explain why later he has a gun uh, when he needs him that. to have yeah. a gun. But what the fuck kind of crazy fucking cruise line is this? Where they're just right. like, all right, uh, on the in-cruise television, when tonight we have Lolita, and if you want to go out on the deck tonight and shoot guns, we, good, just take one, good. You be, if you want to shoot UB40, that's just an extra $100. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and the movie, speaking of death, is it is death. It's dead on its feet. Dead on its feet. This first half especially is just amazing. I mean, the second half is amazing in just how, like, brainless and fucked up it is. But, Mm -hmm. like, the pacing, the the lack of urgency, the lack of movement, the lack of action. Yeah. I mean, we forgot to say that we know his name's Geiger because uh, apparently Sandra Bullock talked to him at the bar, which was obviously an edited scene. Mm -hmm. But I was just like thinking, they even cut shit out and it's still this slow. Still like this, right? Like, holy crap. What's there's like a four hour version of this movie that's just like, um, yeah. So all the while, Geiger is kind of slowly 
starting to take over and plant things around the the ship. Uh, Annie and Alex are kind of arguing and bickering a little bit. They do a lot of bickering. Um, she's only, I mean, as far as we know, this woman has only ever dated cops, but right. seems to know literally nothing about them. Yeah. I'm just like this is legit concerning. Like I think you, <laughs> I think you might have a problem. Oh boy, uh, we also uh, Dum Dum the Tallboy. Remember him, Ashton, Ashton? I think you said. Yeah. So he just wanders right into Geiger's room, and so now he's dead. Boom. But he's he doesn't die though. Uh, regrettably, he just gets chained to the bathroom. They find him later alive. I was so disappointed. I oh, wanted did they? him to be. Oh, yeah, because he's actually steering the ship at the end. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. So, Tallboy, Dum Dum Tallboy. There are no actual deaths in this movie except for just random extras falling off the lifeboat. That's the only time people die in this movie. And it's nobody you can identify. I mean, this is a big failure of the movie. You have no reason to care about any of these Mm -hmm. fucking people. Mm -hmm. They barely flesh out any more of Annie. They don't even flesh out any more of Annie, but you only care about her because you know her from the first one. You have no reason to care about any of these people. No, I mean, that's a fair point because in in Speed, right away, um, Jeff Daniels is endangered in the opening scene and then the bus driver, we meet the bus driver and then the bus driver blows up and people on the bus are actually in danger. Some of the people actually do, do die. Yeah. Uh, while they're on the bus. And this one, yeah, anyone who dies, it's just like, if <laughs> if you have a name or a shtick or a close-up, like, you're fine. You're, you're, you're we're on not gonna break. That's the we're worst that's going to happen. We're not going to flesh your character out or anything like that. But uh, everyone else is just, um, just pure collateral damage. Uh, and then through... <laughs> How would he have even possibly planned to catch the captain just walking randomly alone? (laughs) This is so stupid. So, yeah, Geiger runs into the Captain Bo Svensson, and he's like, who's running the ship? Oh, yeah, I am. And he reveals a little bit about his story, that he's a disgruntled computer engineer who designed the ship's computers, which is dumb. And he tosses the captain overboard, and no one notices. So I guess the captain... And this is after he already invaded the cockpit or the bridge or whatever you call it. And did this little drunken subterfuge that was so not clever or so not like... You would have spotted this immediately that he just stuck something under the, the yeah, control panel. We forgot to mention he does a drunk act to like break into this. <laughs> Jesus, just... They almost deserve what happens to them. They They're really so bad do. at their jobs. He, they really he, do. He, he kills the captain with a pl- with a lamp. Like the old lamp gambit. He swings a lamp around, knocks the captain over, and the cut on that is so bad because he's just hanging him over the side, and then it cuts, and he's facing the different way, falling down the side of the boat. Like, <laughs> they did not line up the shot with the stuntman. No. They don't really get the details right in this movie. Speaking of which, we now go to a disaster is about to strike, so obviously we all need to get dressed up and go dancing at a fancy party, Poseidon Adventure style. So as Geiger is kind of taking over the ship, Annie and Alex are there, and Alex is once again checking the deaf girl out while mom and dad are like mm-hmm. negging, <laughs> negging her about her outfit. There's like, you can't wear that to this night's fancy party. And as they're doing this, I don't know if you noticed this. I didn't notice it at first, but Darcy did. She watched this. God bless you. I love you, sweetie. Mom walks right into one of the columns. She just b- no. bangs right the fuck into it. Like mom like and dad the are walking. Did? Yes, mom and dad are walking on either side, <laughs> nagging this little girl about her outfit. And mom just goes like, "Boom!" right into one of the columns. <laughs> <with> the stormtrooper <laughs> in a new hope. Hitting his head and lifting. I was just like, oh my God, they spent $25 billion on that 
on a f- one fucking sequence that was terrible. <laughs> when they're not like, should we reshoot this one where Bob yeah. has like a blooper mid scene? Like, no, <laughs> fuck no, we're not doing that. I also uh, the 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 gal singing at the the dance the soiree yeah. uh, is singing. The police don't stand so close to me. She's singing a slow down version of that while Alex checks out the young girl. Right. It's so gross. <laughs> and yet he's like, all right, uh, ready to buckle down and really marry her and stop checking out young deaf girls. And so he gets ready to propose. But of course, he's going to get interrupted again because Geiger yep. calls first mate Django Fett and tells him the whole freaking deal. And his golf club bombs start going off all over the ship. Um, he makes them stop the ship, alarms go off, people are told to disembark into lifeboats. And again, everybody, so a lot of people who are just unnamed, extra, whatever, they get off the boat, right? But if we yeah. haven't met any of these characters yet, they're going to get trapped on the boat, right? So Fat Busters get trapped on the boat, the pop star who was just singing gets trapped on the boat, the deaf girl gets trapped in the elevator, you know, so everyone who is... One, all the quirky characters we've met so far are going to Every get part of the crew that we've actually listened to exactly. say dialogue. Yeah. But Alex, as they're about to, to disembark and get trapped on the lifeboat, he starts getting suspicious. Again, can't turn the cop off, right? So he starts nope. to ask questions. He starts to investigate. He's suddenly an expert in maritime law. He's suddenly an expert in like shipboard protocol. Jesus, like, it everything. Just, whatever you need him to be, he is or isn't. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, and remember this, Geiger, now, okay, so you think, all right, this is just like a revenge thing, right? Okay. But die hard with a vengeance style, it's all like a fake out, and he's just going after the jewels, right? So he starts loading the jewels. Remember Uh that he starts loading the jewels. Now, lifeboats are going out. Lifeboats are going out. Oh, shit. One of the lifeboats gets stuck. People are trapped in the lifeboat. Alex and Annie to the rescue. Oh, God, you're fucked. You're all (laughs) fucked. You are fucked. Alex leaps, heavy air quotes around leaps into action because he jumps down and it seems like he's about to do something. And then for about three or four minutes, he stands around watching Uh and talking about the need for weight distribution (laughs) while bodies just fly out of this thing and get dumped into the ocean and swallowed up by the ship's propellers. That's the video game rule on this movie. You can't Uh jump off the ship. If you jump off the ship, you get swallowed by the ship's propellers. Kaboom, you're dead, right? So that's the that's the made-up rule that you can't do it, which is stupid. That's the floor is lava. That's just exactly. <laughs> you can't do it. Because <laughs> the whole time, you're just like, jump off the ship. Literally, just jump off the ship. I don't right. know. Why don't all these boats get caught in the ship's propeller? None of them seem to get like <laughs> even like affected even at the We don't see bit. any of these other rescue missions. They don't... You like... These stranded boaters would be seen by Coast Guard. They would be picked up. They would be like, oh, that boat's in distress. All this shit would be resolved. Yeah. So, again, Alex is just standing around watching all of this, thinking we need weight distribution. But then who does he see? Dante. Remember Dante, the ship's photographer? Oh, no, Dante's about to go down. So he jumps on the boat just leaps on top of the boat to save Mm -hmm. Dante, not giving even one fraction of a fucking single shit about weight distribution (laughs) and endangering (laughs) everyone on board. Oh my God, a named character is about to fall in the ocean. I have to save him. (laughs) So like while all this is happening, Sandra Bullock is just running around screaming nonsense. That's it for the rest of the movie. Making guttural noises. She's just going like, 
well, Alex, but jump on. It's Dante. So the next scene, we just see Annie, Alex, and Dante going like, wow, that was like, like what? Are, there were dozens of other people on that <laughs> lifeboat. Did any of them survive? But they're just like, we saved the name characters. It's fine. So cut back to Willem Dafoe. Remember the, this thing? He is still loading diamonds. I know. I know. He's still loading diamonds. He took five <laughs> seconds to take over an entire ocean liner. And then he took a half hour to load diamonds into yes. a suitcase. There is so much of Willem Dafoe being like in one hallway for 30 minutes <laughs> while shit is just going down around him. Oh, my God. So, yes, Alex is saved, so he's investigating, and he starts to realize that it is Geiger. They find Talboy. He's fine. Um, and Geiger, because the script just decides that he needs to, starts monologuing to them. There's and, all these and not times only... where he, sh- he could kill them, and he's like, I'm going to monologue, and then I'll yes. kill you, and then not. And- it reminded me of Assassins where just going up to do the deal, uh, Julianne Moore bugs every hotel room that she might possibly need and has an escape route or something. Like he's bugged and mic'd and cameraed his own room and expects them to find Ashton and has on the computer, goodbye, Alex. It's like, what the fuck? This, where did all this come from? This pre planning. clues did he need? You yeah, expected right? like- all this shit? To, you expected a man named Alex to be figuring shit out at this precise time? I know someone's going to find me. I'm going to guess their name's Alex. I'm just going to go with that. I got to spend an hour and a half getting jewels. (laughs) He's got his itinerary. We find out Geiger was fired by the cruise company. That's our next little. And also that he does not have his health anymore. And then so he gives us a little bit of information. Then his laptop explodes. But not before he warns the hero specifically by name to move out of the way. And so he does. So all all fine. Uh, While this was happening, the deaf girl, remember the little deaf girl? She got stuck in an elevator because she walked off because her parents were nagging her outfit too hard. So she's stuck in an elevator. The deaf girl's parents all this time have been just like complaining to... To Annie, mostly. Annie, Sandra Bullock, an, just a regular cruise passenger like them. Not a crew member and not a security right. officer and not a cop. Not anyone. So they're just like, our daughter's gone. What are you going to do about our daughter's? Like, this is just a normal person on your fucking cruise. Find your own fucking daughter. Try at least. But the, the little girl proves resourceful herself. She does a thing where she climbs up the elevator by putting her hands on one side and her legs and stretching her body out and climbing yeah. up the walls. But then she climbs her, pops her head out in a way where you're like, she would have had to bend completely backwards in order for that to happen. She does a thing that is impossible, but whatever. She gets out of the goddamn elevator. That's the damn point. Meanwhile, uh, Annie finds a bunch of people who are trapped also behind the doors. So it's like the Fat Busters people and the pop singer and some other people. Um, they're stuck behind this door and there's a fire coming in and they needed Annie to get them out too. Yeah. So Annie does this whole like Pulp Fiction (laughs) selecting the weapon scene (laughs) where she's like, all right, I better get this. I better get this. No, chainsaw. Settles on a chainsaw and saws through the door. There's also this real dumb hijinks about taking off clothes for some reason. Everybody's going to take off their clothes. And it gets really weirdly sexual because like – the singer the pulls up her cute yeah yeah I'm just <laughs> it's, the the comedy is omnipresent <laughs> it's not like a little it's not like in speed where it's like okay there's some comedy but it's to kind of you know lighten the mood or relieve some tension or yes. get a little counterpoint this is like wall to wall 
bumbling police academy level comedy. It is low, low, low. Yeah, that part where Jason Patrick gets stuck in the horse's ass. That part fucking, I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, and Sandra Bullock's bumbling is just, it is not cute at all. She just, again, she just comes off as dumb. Like, just really dumb. And not like, I'm dumb but resourceful and I can do things and I've got some courage and I've got, no, just dumb. No, dead weight. Speaking of dumb, uh, Alex is like, let's flood the boat. Sound good? Sound good? Wait, aren't we all still on the boat? Wait, how is this going to help? They're going to flood the boat. I just like, what? But Alex, at the last second, sees the deaf girl and is like, Savior! He just leaps <laughs> in there pretty damn fast, almost as though he designed getting caught in water with her. Um, <laughs> so they have this whole thing where they're getting all thrown around the ship and boom, and they fly out a thing and they do it. And the, okay, boom, they're safe. And then they have the most you fucking scene. Yeah. You scene. It's a callback scene to the original, but like she she signs to him and she says, I just want you to know, I'm paraphrasing, just want you to know I'm going to lo- I will love you forever. <laughs> I'm going to be 14 next month. <laughs> and I will wait for you, or something like that. <laughs> and he just goes, uh, relationships that start under stressful circumstances never work out, which is like a callback to a line from Speed that keeps getting repeated. But oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I, oh. Ah, it's like Jan de Bont saw Leon the Professional and was just like, you know what this movie needs? <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. So how fucking dumb is Alex? So, again, Defoe, for some reason now it's decided I'm just going to fuck with Alex. Yeah, that's... That was never part of your fucking plan. So he's doing a lot of, like, monologuing and a lot of, like, I'm just playing with your mind kind of stuff. The rest of Defoe in this movie is wandering around boat hallways in a Mm -hmm. backpack. Like, we we just see the back of him wandering around hallways and then popping up on, like, a a wall of, of TV screens like it's a... MTV video from 1988 and just his face like how did he hack into that shit like how right like you designed the ship's computer so I could guess I can buy that but like how are you just on TVs now and Alex because he's basically the stupidest person ever sees him appear his one head on like 10 televisions (laughs) and it's like I'm gonna shoot the TVs like what (laughs) Alex Alex Hey, why would you think that's really him? Do you think he has a 10-foot-long head shaped like a dozen televisions? He doesn't. He doesn't. But he shoots it. And then Geiger monologues some more, appears on another bank of TVs, and Alex shoots the TVs again. Like, he didn't even learn for the first time. Oh, wait. What happens on TV? Like, oh, my God. I just, like, this guy must go through a lot of TVs. Like, and he's... It's because the first time he saw him, he was sitting by that TV watching the Masters, and he's like, oh, he's not paying attention to the golf. That's why he always associates him with the TV. So he's like, oh, he just... It's a weird brain disorder where he sees heads as televisions. It's like, okay, you were near a television, so I think your head's a television? What the fuck? How? Why would... You're shooting the TVs that he's on. You know that isn't him? Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> that's not even the dumbest it's not even part close of, it's not even not the dumbest even part close. of this movie. we haven't even got to the dumb parts yet yeah and we should also you kind of mentioned it but like yeah hallways yeah uh corner corridor door closing door hallway turn the corner hallway door closing door 
without any sense of where the fuck are we, no sense right. of scale, no sense of space, no sense of anything. Geiger, somehow, there's some chasing. Geiger traps Alex in a room with fire and a bunch of alcohol bottles. He's so got a fire... Nintendo power arm that can access every door and just make uh, explosions happen. <laughs> yes. So he's stuck with his fire, which gets hot enough to shatter glass, mm-hmm. but not to burn human skin or conduct any heat into the metal that Alex keeps touching. Right? Some very specialized fire he has created. <laughs> or like blow up the grenade. <laughs> or blow up the grenade that is attached to the door. But like the actual windows of the door that the grenade is all get blown out because it gets too hot. Unbelievable. But this is the thing about Alex. He's simultaneously dumb enough to shoot at TVs because he, he sees a face on him. But he also knows everything about this cruise liner's mainframe and grenades because he's like, there should be a number on the grenade. Okay, is I'm the pin a grenade expert? It's <laughs> never your job. He's a meathead cop right? on the Suicide Squad. He's on the Suicide Squad. Uh, so yes, there's a grenade on the door through hijinks on the high seas. Annie and Django Fett they remove it. There's some comedy bits, and this I couldn't tell if this was like a scene was cut out or it was just bad editing or what. But the next shot we see Annie. And Alex and Django run out to onto the deck, trailed by smoke, and none of them is holding a grenade. So I'm like, <laughs> did that go off? And we cut the scene, and they just had him run out, or are they running from the fire? And the grenades just gone. I don't like what it just. This movie's so fucking sloppy. It's it's stunning. It really is quite stunning. So okay, they're on the boat. Boat is headed for. Right now it is, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So right now it's just headed for some cliffs, right? Yes, yes. So it's just headed for normal ass cliffs. So this, they're like, we're gonna need to slow this thing down. We can't jump off because that's a rule for some reason. So we got to slow it down. So they're like, we're gonna throw a large cable into the propeller. We'll just bathe this cable and we'll put things in there and we'll go into the propeller and it'll it'll do this whole thing. So Jason Patrick has to go underwater and you know feed this cable in there but without getting sucked into the propeller so Django Fett in the second half of this movie he has so much more dialogue than Jason Patrick or Sandra Bullock yeah because he has to narrate everything that is happening yes it's not enough for us to watch it he needs to also narrate it so as he's underwater doing all this stuff Django Fett is saying things like it's stuck He's too close. <laughs> it's sucking him in. Look out. You know, things How like that. How would he know? He's standing right where, like, Annie is, but he can see <laughs> this stuff, and she can't. He's telling her. But, like, we do know because we're watching it all happen. We're uh-huh. seeing the entire fucking thing. Uh, and that's this whole movie in the second half is people narrating. Not just Dude. dumb things happen, but people narrating it as it happens. It's it's really fucking annoying. So Defoe now, speaking of seeing it all happen, he sees all of this happen. He's like, okay, they're going to do this thing. I have a gun. There's two people who don't have guns and a man underwater who's about to be sucked into a fucking propeller. I the guy who's foiling them. everything. He's doing it. I'll shoot them, right? But no, because now again... His thing suddenly is, I'm just going to fuck with them a little. <laughs> like, none of these people are the cruise line that fired nope. you and stole your computer and gave you copper poisoning or whatever the fuck it is you're supposed to have. He just sabotages them and then slinks back away. He could just shoot them in the back of the head, execution style, right now. Please do it. He doesn't do it. So he's just going to fuck with them a little. So the cable breaks. Django gets whipped in the arm. He's fine, though. 
Um, but they're still headed for this oil tanker. Oh, that's the thing. They're headed for an oil tanker. Okay. Uh, this is a two-hour movie. We're yeah. at one hour, 15 minutes, and we start hearing about this oil tanker. They see that they're heading towards an oil tanker. Yeah. It's, so that's, it's that's just after this. That's what starts this whole thing. Geiger put the ship on this really slow move. So originally, Geiger was just going to crash the ship once uh, after they escape from uh, so he, the room with the grenade. Yeah. He decides to put them on the course for an oil tanker. Oh, no, we're going to hit this fucking oil tanker. So that's where they're trying to get the cable into the propeller and stop the ship. We're going to hit this oil tanker. Watch out, oil tanker coming eventually. So anyway, Geiger fucks with them, breaks the cable. They're still headed for the oil tanker. Everyone's okay, but Geiger gets the drop on them again forces Annie to drop the rope, putting Alex back into the ocean, and he takes, uh, Geiger takes Annie prisoner. But then, because people don't hear things that are right next to them or see things that are in per- their peripheral vision, he does not notice that she starts the cable again, pulling him back. <laughs> like, this is how fucking stupid he is. Like, what the fuck? He just left her below, uh, whatever. So, Django falls in, Alex saves him, Alex saves himself, they're fine, everyone's Did fine. Did you see when Django fell in, no. like, blood was started squirting out all right. over the place what what was that from was that from when he got whipped in the arm yeah he gets whipped in the arm but his shirt was bad. clean before yeah. that his white shirt <laughs> there's also a thing that tells uh willem defoe the status of the ship and it says speed malfunction and i was like that's probably the working title of this movie <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of shirts alex saves Django fett they're back on board they're fine alex inexplicably takes off his shirt and discards mm. it because it's mm-hmm. wet because right. cuz he fell in the water and it got wet now obviously the real goal was to make the audience wet Hey-o. <laughs> but because in the very next scene he has a new shirt on yep and the first thing he does leaps into the ocean <laughs> he leaps right <laughs> into the water like what was the point what was the point of that he's just like his guy discards shirts like fucking arnold and hercules in new york all right, so yeah, Geiger takes off with Annie in a motorboat. Dante pulls Alex back onto the ship. And even though Alex this entire time has just been running and swimming and, and exploding out of anonymous corridors and hallways and rooms this entire movie, he now desperately needs Dante to show him around. Yes, right, exactly. Suddenly it's like, we, we need you, Dante. Like, why? <laughs> why? You've done fine so far. Uh, and by the way, they are still very far away from the tanker. Okay. They're very th- far away. This part right here, this is the dumbest fucking part in the Mm -hmm. movie because him and Dante are going through. And I also like that he flooded the ship because the first officer kind of always reminds him. He's like, well, we could do that, but you flooded the ship. Like he gets reminded three, four times that he (laughs) fucked everything up. But so he's going through the ship. The water's coming up. It's like Titanic where the, you know, the chase through the hallways with the water. And Django Fett, the first officer, is narrating where to go and what to do, right? (laughs) <laughs> he starts having to go underwater to do these things. He's still narrating what to do. Now turn that lever, turn the screw. How do you hear that shit How? while you're underwater? How possible? How does Django Fett even know where they're at? Where he's like, look to your left. You should see this thing. The most egregious part of this is Jason Patrick gets the direction. He's about to go under. And Django Fett goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, he was I performed just a-, a soul bond. I could feel everything. I see everything. He's like, what the fuck, dude? 
I was just like, this is uh, grown adults made this movie, and they no, didn't think. Yeah, again, anytime you need someone to do anything, they do it, and anytime you need something to not do anything, they don't do it. Yeah, it's, it, this is just—it's such awful, awful writing. But they find a thing, okay, yeah. and they find some things. So remember, they're going to hit that oil tanker. Remember that, right? Oh, here comes that oil tanker. So we've gotten this whole thing. They're through the hallways, down hallways, all, the, all this whole fucking thing. They find things, and if they turn the things, they can turn the ship. So they take turns turning the turning turns, and then they take turns going up for air from turning the turn turns. Yeah. And it's a work. Oh, shit. We're, erp, 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 erp. Whoa. They scrape the side of the tanker, but they just kind of, um, and both ships and the people on board survive. They survive. They did it. Annie... Woohoo! And Geiger yells, "Impossible!" <laughs> I did think though that the cruise ship did a pretty sick wall grind up on that uh, oil yeah, tanker. It's like, let's sweet. see Tony Hawk do that. <laughs> and this is what is so fucking amazing. So, like, this seriously was probably we described it really fast because there's just so much dead weight going on. But this was probably 30, 40 minutes of screen yeah. time. Oh no, coming up to the oil tanker, right? Yes, they they. Get past it, right? They go, they scrape it, they go by. They immediately turn around and look, and it is as far behind them as it uh-huh. was in front of them thirty to forty minutes of screen time ago. Yes. Like that's yeah. like the lack of spatial logistics in this movie is just like stunning. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning. It's just like it took so it took the entire second act to get to the tanker. And they're like, we're fine. They look back and it's like, the tanker is in another fucking ocean. (laughs) Where the fuck did the tanker go? And then the tanker can't move because that was explained. It would take them 30 minutes to fire up their engines, which though, by the way, could have worked because that they took that long they took to get a to the long tank. time and, and like the oil taker didn't even try that until like about 30 seconds away this is this is uh. the theme of this third act of the movie which is that so the seaborne legend we haven't really talked about it but it's a gigantic oh yeah ship. this is it's basically a floating skyscraper yes exactly yeah. and nobody in this movie notices a floating skyscraper until, until it is five feet away from them. Until it unless, is right above them. Unless it's comically convenient, like a child will notice yeah. it. If you and have the innocence of a child, and you no might adults notice can, a floating skyscraper yeah. coming right fucking at you. But like otherwise, yes, honey, the boats are big. We know yes, big boats. It's like what the fuck, God. So by turning away from the tanker, all right. So we saved the tanker, and I guess we saved our own asses, and that's what's really important here: saving named characters. Remember. But they're now headed directly for a populous seaport. <laughs> they, yeah. they are headed directly for a beach town filled with people. Boats everywhere, water skiers everywhere, jet skis everywhere. Everyone's out on the ocean having an absolute blast, and they're just about to plow right into it. So, like, imagine I mean, it's going to, they have endangered so many more people than this little, silly little oil tanker explosion, right? It's just like, imagine in speed if Keanu saved everybody on the bus. And then accidentally caused 9-11 to happen. <laughs> Would you question his heroism slightly? Would you say, you know what? You know what? I don't know if you were the hero of this one, Keanu. <laughs> you might question it a little, right? But that's what is basically been set up here. They are ready to like take out this entire town. Alex, of course, after this has happened, okay, they've turned the tourney things. They've come back board on decks. Alex finds Dante and yells, have you seen Annie? 
Like what? <laughs> I was <laughs> down there you. turning those things with you on this boat, which she is not on the entire time. How would I do that? How the fuck would I do that? <laughs> like, like fucking hey, what version of the script are you reading? Oh, but they approach the seaport and they can't slow down. They can't slow down at all. So they just start smashing into boats, smashing into water skiers. And again, no one notices this gigantic ship until it is right above them. And then they just sit there mouths agape because they can't believe it. A large boat. That's crazy. I just live in this place where large boats are at all the time, but I didn't notice it until it was about to smash. They don't notice it until unless, like as we said, for comic effect. These are our lanes. We have right away like arguing against a, a, a skyscraper coming right fucking at you. A tiny sailboat explodes. You would... <laughs> yes. Was there a meth lab on that sailboat? The, the waves would be rocking them greatly as this ship was coming steaming There's at no them. no waves, right? Oh, just, also... Like, that would have to be loud, too. It hasn't... But there's also my though. favorite character. He's one of the crew who just shouts out the speed that they're going yes. because that's his whole role. 14 knots. 13 knots. <laughs> and getting increasingly like sexual sexual because yes. he gets really sweaty and his eyes get kind of buggy and he's getting and like, thrusting eight knots four knots <laughs> there's one moment i mean it is just like taking all of these little boats out like crazy a motorboat drives straight at it yeah it just drives straight at it like how can you not see it you're driving straight at it but it's kind of straight fault. at it. The water skier flies out, and this boat somehow then goes on to land, flies off a ramp into a store. <laughs> like, just like they were in the ocean. They were in the ocean a second ago. How would you fly into a store? <laughs> Meanwhile, in the control booth with this guy is screaming three knots so sexually, they're like, it's helping. Yeah. Like, no, it isn't. No, you've like, maimed and murdered several dozen people. Now jam more corpses into the propeller. It's helping. <laughs> if we just put enough corpses, like, whoa, no, that doesn't help. That doesn't fucking help. And as you said, the only one to notice, it's a little boy because mm-hmm. the innocence of the children, right? Hundreds of people are hundreds. But it's already blown up a boat. There was an explosion. We just saw yeah. it. They blew up a boat right there. I the mean, beach. that's got to be a not everyday occurrence in that little so like this town. resort town. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Uh, but yeah, there's an explosion. There's been all these boats. There's lots of deaths. There's a store got crashed into. But all these people are still just standing around this boardwalk mall milling around like nothing <laughs> yeah, like, is fucking happening. Like, do you want a fro-yo? Like, I can go for one. Sure. <laughs> Until again, it's right on top of them, and then they're like running away, screaming from Godzilla, and the ship. But it's does... it's still comic hijinks because a, do- a little dog starts yep. barking at it like it it's going to take it, and then it's like, "Whoop! Oh, uh, I'm scared!" A guy in his shop goes yep. and puts the open sign, and then puts the closed sign. Like, okay, can we break down this guy's reaction to horrifying events? Like, just, that joke was just for him. We got to say, I mean, he's just opening up for the day. <laughs> that was, he's like, that's for me, folks. He that just one. turned around, <laughs> chuckled to himself, and then was, like, slit in half by a fucking <laughs> ocean lighter. Because <laughs> this thing, like, plows through yes. this boardwalk, this, like, whole area. All this wood comes like flying you said, up. It's tearing through buildings, like, paper just they constructed this town just to destroy it yes exactly and and they do 
They absolutely do. Buildings are flying every which way. We end up at a 7-Eleven that mm-hmm. is such a fixture on St. Martin. The boat finally stops. It dings a bell. The anchor falls down and crushes this guy's car and seemingly the dog that's been running around this whole time. And, of course, the guy who is holding a gigantic Slurpee yells, mm-hmm. My car! <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I guess the dog's in. No, dog's fine. My car! I mean... Uh, seen over. But no. Yeah. The boat then tips over, crushes more buildings, killing dozens more people. Yeah, I was whole... I was sitting here. I was like, I if this fucking guy says zero knots, if he fucking <laughs> says zero, and he does, the Scottish guy had nothing else to do <laughs> but shout out to nobody listening that they're going no miles per hour, no zero knots. <laughs> In case you guys didn't understand how motion works, like what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> and this knots. scene. This thing goes on a long time. And oh there's a God. whole bunch of other comedy bits we didn't mention. A giant still bottle got 25 of champagne minutes left. follows over. A woman's on the phone. What? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. As a giant ship is flying by. Anyway. Um, oh, the, we, the same guy from Speed is there. Um, yes. Glenn Plummer. Glenn Plummer. Yeah. Um, so, again, this scene's gone on forever. We don't see a single drop of blood, but I would say any logical assessment. Yeah. You would put the body count in the hundreds, at least, possibly the thousands. Like, they just tore through an entire town on a very busy day. And it was just on the ocean they killed dozens of people, right? But then it just went through right through the town. I don't know how many deaths, but definitely hundreds of casualties. There are – that hospital is going to be working full time. Again, it is this island's version of 9-11, and it is entirely the fault of the heroes of this film, who immediately start celebrating. Hooray, we're saved. What? <laughs> so yeah, Glenn Plummer from Speed, callback, he sees the crash, and he just goes, I just bought a condo here. But Alex is like, I got to get my girl. And even though Geiger, remember, has been racing away from the scene this entire time, this like this sequence took a long time. It's like a 10-minute long yeah. sequence of them crashing the thing preceded by a 10 minute long sequence of them murdering a lot of sailors and stuff. But uh, even though he's been racing away on a motorboat this entire time, he's not a million miles away. You can catch him. Weird logistics that make no fucking sense. Jason Patrick was underwater when he absconded with Sandra Bullock. He has no idea what direction they went, where they they were when they left. It's impossible. But yeah, (laughs) no, he just immediately is like, here we go. So she... Glenn Plummer's like, who are you? You're LAPD. You don't have jurisdiction here. All valid questions. All valid questions to this man jacking your boat. Yeah. And I thought this was the most realistic aspect of this movie, that this member of the LAPD threatens and harasses a black man with (laughs) not only taking his property, but his life. Yes, absolutely. Well, also, uh, another valid question. Can't you see I'm on a date? (laughs) Because he's got a date with him. Because we need, again, we need people to narrate. And can't just they just person. watched the town get destroyed. And he's really worried about how this date's going to go for the rest of the date. <laughs> I know, they saw that whole fucking thing. Yeah, anyway. So uh, Geiger and Annie are getting away. She like breaks apart from him for a sec. But then I yeah. think he, he catches her again. Um, whatever. They finally reach a seaplane. But Alex is right there when they take off. He just suddenly catches right up with them. How? Like it doesn't I don't make know. any. But, but it makes it makes more sense than this little boat that he's ha- taking his date out on having a fucking harpoon gun. Like, what is the purpose of this harpoon gun on this little date boat? <laughs> 
Oh my fucking god! Yeah, you're right. Who's gonna fucking uh, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? <laughs> so yeah, Geiger and Andy get on the plane, but Alex is right there. He shoots the plane with a harpoon, drag gets dragged into the ocean, and again. All of all of this action needs to be narrated, which is the only reason that Glenn Plummer and his girlfriend are there, because now they need to take over for Django Fett. He's actually is like, he's gonna shoot the plane. It's like he's aiming a harpoon gun at the plane. <laughs> you know he came to the plane. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's gonna shoot the plane. And he shot the plane. Yeah, he did. But is that how harpoon guns work? Is that how whaling is done? Do you shoot and then it just get dragged in? It pulls yes. you to the animal. What's and you just this? ride it like a fucking Bronco until it tires out? That's what happens. But Alex is able to get on the plane, punches Geiger, jumps off with Annie. Geiger almost crashes right into the tanker, mm-hmm. but he breaks away. He banks up. He's up, 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 up. She gets speared on the top of the ship um, just as he's about to get away. Annie falls in the water. She almost drowned. Alex saves her, saves her with a kiss breath. Geiger is Green Goblin cackling on his mm-hmm. ship as fire is engulfing him. His plane explodes. Then the entire ship explodes. Alex gives Annie the ring, happily ever after. So to recap, they were going to hit an oil tanker. Mm-hmm. They diverted away from the oil tanker. Do- let's say, destroyed let's say an, right enti- an entire town. Dozens yeah. of deaths. Dozens of deaths would have happened if that ship would have hit, because most of the th- people evacuated the boat. Crew but would have been people, off, fine. Th- they, there were still they, several people on, and yeah. the, it would have been a tragedy. It would have been a maritime tragedy that this happened. Yeah. Instead, we get a mar- several maritime tragedies. Yes. They <laughs> we destroy get, an entire fucking town. We get a terra firma tragedy, and then we get an aviation disaster because the airplane blows up. And then the tanker blows up. They still blow up the tanker. <laughs> they were going to hit the tanker. They're like, don't hit the tanker. That would be awful. Let's destroy this entire fucking beach community. And they still blow up the tanker. He's just oh, he's just standing there in a jet suit like mission accomplished. Like just I fucking... nailed it, guys. Fucking nailed it. <laughs> All the named characters are safe except As for Geiger. All the people on the tanker are dead. All yeah. those innocent people are well, dead. We see one brief shot of the people from the tanker on boats looking at ah. the tanker as it explodes. They're all fine. Okay. Well, When they need to evacuate, they can evacuate in the blink of an eye. As it turns out, <laughs> when you need them to. Yes. When you need them not to, a giant cruise ship's going to come get us. Then it's just a major Thank ecological disaster yeah. for that little part of the ocean. Oh, this oil tanker is now leaking oil all over. Well, but the the economy in this commu- this uh, little island community has been completely destroyed by this fucking disaster <laughs> that has happened. No one is ever coming here for a good time again. So it's yeah. it would they would still be feeling the effects of this to this day. Yeah, of this of this fucking dipshit couple getting married there. So <laughs> movie over, right? Eh. Oh. Another driving test scene with Tim Conway. And there's another callback to speed as she almost plows into a bus. So this movie acts like this happens after what we've just seen. Yeah. But as my wife pointed out to me, she is wearing the exact same outfit, same shoes as she did in the first scene. They just cut it back into the end. So this was part of the same scene. This is how I think the movie was supposed to open. 
Yeah. Instead gotcha. of with that quick cutting back between them. But they were like, oh, we need action. We need action. It's just like, you need an action. This ain't the fucking movie for it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So yeah, they just were like, more comedy. So just cut a deleted scene and put it right Holy before the credits. Fuck. And that's it. That's the end of the movie now. It's yeah. so fucking lazy. Oh, my lazy. God. Pathetic. Oh, pathetic my God. Stuff. Quirky. Any yeah. final thoughts before we give our ratings for Speed 2 colon Cruise Control? Alternate title for this movie? The Slow Sidon Adventure. That's uh, that's about what I felt. It was the most slowest movie. Movie Also, Cruise Control, pretty much a true statement because the crew was in control for most of that movie because that, that captain was a fucking dipshit. <laughs> Let's remind everyone about our ratings. Run-of-the-mill bad film dare, next level bad, double dare, a movie we actually like, reverse dare. Corky, what do you give Speed 2 colon Cruise Control? This is a big double dare. Uh, this is a. It's the stupidest fucking movie. It's mm-hmm. poorly made. Um, but I mean, no thought. No thought was at all given into actually making it realistic. It, they just thought of, oh, how do we explain that? Instead of actually thinking, well, why don't we just write something that makes sense, <laughs> and then that'll cover itself. You have talented people in there. Jan Demont can make a film, but he he fucking failed miserably here. Um, yeah, Double Dare. And I would say it's too slow to have a lot. I, I have a lot of fun with a lot of the portions of it, but I had way more fun talking with you about it than I did watching it. It's very slow, very uneven. Yeah, I, I will say I had a great time with my wife watching this movie and making fun of it the entire time. And so if you have someone in your life who is as charming and funny and smart as my wife, doubt it. <laughs> By all means, but don't just sit down and watch this movie because it, it's 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 painful. It really yeah. is hard. The first half of the movie, basically nothing happens. It is just a derp a derp 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 comedy. And then stuff starts happening, but what happens is so fucking stupid, you just can't even believe it. Just to have this whole sequence where you destroy this entire town, okay, n- nothing against a big, great climactic uh, you know, ending, but how much it undermines any possibility that these people are actually heroes. They just like <laughs> by the fact that you like had to deliver on that, right? Because this is your big scene. So you can't have them save the day, right? You, yeah, you have right. to have to fucking everything fuck up. But they don't do anything heroic. They save their own asses and kill scores of innocent people. <laughs> but again, the movie isn't even gonna, you know, that's gonna act like they're heroes. It's just completely nuts. Yeah, double dare all the way. Brutal. All right, that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Hey, Darcy, this was a fantastic dare. Thank you. So good. Thank you so much, sweetie. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. Be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on all your favorite podcast apps. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website. It's at daredaniel.com. Corky, you're out there. You're on the Seaborn Legend. You're opening for Tanaya and UB40. Uh I mean, what more is there to say? You've done it. You've accomplished everything. This is the dream. It's UB40. You've got the Fat Busters in the crowd. Um, I don't know. Just, uh, Just what's it like? Yeah, opening for Birmingham, England's number one reggae cover band, UB40, has been a long, long dream of mine. And finally getting it fulfilled, you know, uh, nothing could be sweeter, uh, except maybe what doing inside shows at the comedy spot again, once again, every Saturday we're inside. Uh, also, um, I want to say uh, I'm a little disappointed in every dear Daniel listener, except for Colin Williams, 
Colin Williams, who showed us he's a true Dare Daniel fan by listening all the way to the end of the episode, catching the Gravediggers reference, and then posting his favorite Gravediggers lyrics. Ooh, kind of showed you all up. Yes. Showed you all up. If you're a true Dare Daniel fan, you're listening to this far into the podcast, give us your alternate titles for Speed 2 Cruise Control. And we'll shout you out at the end of another episode. So you have to listen all the way to here if you got recognized. True test. True test. Well, that all sounds lovely for Dare Daniel. I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Corky McDonald saying, I don't know, some line from Lolita. That's probably inappropriate. It's probably very inappropriate. <laughs> Do not want to be Humbert Humbert. <laughs> Seriously, though, how did the fuck did he know that he was about to go under the water? And then he was like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> how did anyone know it? Yeah, anyway, we love you. All right. Love you, everyone.